Once uh, said, he said, Shleilam, if it wasn't for all of our Averas, you wouldn't have such gewalt, like heartbreaking Nigunim from Shaniyam Kippur. So. so there's some Nigunim, especially in Lubavitch, Shaniyam Kippur. Amazing Nigunim. Those of you ever daven in Lubavitch, many of Lubavitch Nigunim are always utmost powerful, but specifically, Shaniyam Kippur, there's one Nigun. Yeah. 
end. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you to the Baalei Abayit, to Toby and Chaya for hosting us. And thank you for everyone that's with us online and with us over here as well. And especially to the Chavar that were with me last night in Yerushalayim that are here tonight. It means, it means a lot. Thank you so much for, for being here tonight as well. And if I repeat anything, then... It's your problem. <laughs> um, but tonight we have a special schut to dedicate tonight's shir, the Louis Nishmat, Jackie, Saft, and, and uh, your, your, I forgot your first name. Les. Les. Les is Safta. Tonight's shir is be in her memory. There's Safta, Louis Nishmat, Zahava Bat, Rabbi Yosef, Chaim. The yard site was? Hey Tishrei. And every year, there's a minute to do a learning, she should receive, her neshama should receive an infinite amount of nachas from her children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren here in Eretz Yisrael, wherever they are all over in the world. And she should be a melitzat yosher on all of us to be written in this sifram shel tzadikim gemurim, sefer achayim. You know, we're, we're right now, this is, uh, this is like, you know, This is, this is stretched, this is like the end, you know, the end of the beginning, the beginning of the end. Uh, it's very, also very meaningful for me that I have, uh, I have, Mary, Reb Nassim is with us tonight, that means the world, Shem should fill you, your, your year, with a year filled with Shefa Briut, and Parnasa B'Shefa, and Simchas Chaim, and, and, and everything, everything, everything. Yemala Hashem kol mishal oslipchem letolva bezat Hashem. <laughs> Last night, after the shiur, someone who's here pointed out something to me that, um, that we didn't mention. And I think that it's actually going to be the whole point of the end of tonight's shiur. But I want to do a whole ma'agal, if it's okay with you. I want to do a whole, a whole circle of where we're at, where we're heading to, and what's going on. Tet betishrei. The ninth of Tishrei is one of the most underrated days in the calendar. It's absolutely one of the most underrated days in the calendar. People think that it's, uh, make sure, you know, we heard you're supposed to keep a candy in your mouth the whole time. You're supposed to eat as much as possible. Even the Arizal says that you should approximately be eating for two days on the ninth of Tishrei. I mean, if, if that was more well-known, we would have embraced the ninth of Tishrei even more, right? Or maybe not, I don't know. But the point is, is that the ninth of Tishrei, the depth of the ninth of Tishrei, of Tet, of where we're at tonight, is, is, a, is a mind-blowing concept. And in the schut of the night before Yom Kippur, I feel like I want to say a million things and just get through it, because I, I, I don't even want to think about it too much. Kind of like a lot of things on, on Yom Kippur. I know, now we're all into Hasidus, and everyone knows Hasidim is so happy, Yom Kippur, and everything's dancing. That's true. But it's also frightening as, as, as God knows what. <coughs> that the Sfarim are opened up. It's Sfarim that we'd rather, it's books that we'd rather them not be opened up too much. Like, quick check, quick sign, V, put it back on the shelf and just put it away. 
we still, you know, we thought we got through Rosh Hashanah saying, We have one more day, Yom Kippur, where heavy, heavy, heavy words are being read from the Machzor and hopefully being cried out from the heart. Heavy words. Words that remind us that everything that has to do with us in this world is temporary. Like we say, anu, so some very important words. Anu yameinu ketzel over. Our days are like a passing shadow. We say by Adam Yesodo, right in the middle of Onesana Tokef, some, some words that I, I, I try to think about all year long. And as much as I think about it all year long, comes Yom Kippur, comes Hashanah Yom Kippur, and they jump out more than any other words. Which words are those? Ucheruach noshaves, ucheavak poreach, vechachalom yauf. Our days are like a, a, a blow in the wind, like a blow of dust. Keavak poreach, vechachalom yauf, and like a dream that just gets yauf, just flies away. And somehow the illusion of Olam Azeh makes us really convinced that we're here forever. And that everything that we're doing is permanent. <coughs> and that we are monuments, living monuments, right? And really Yom Kippur comes, Rosh Hashanah, but Yom Kippur comes again and tells us, one, one second, one second. You had a whole year to get rid of that illusion. You're back here again thinking that you're here forever. So a lot of people are very much in the zone of, I have to make sure that I cry by those words. Mi yichiel, mi amus, mi bekitzo, mi lo bekitzo. Especially in Kotsk, when they'd see someone dwelling on those words, the Kotzka would probably walk up to him and smack him in the face and say, Shmendrik, read a few more lines. That's not the purpose of Yom Kippur, to contemplate who's going to live and who's going to die. The purpose of Roshani Yom Kippur is the next few words. Those are the words he's supposed to be reaching as a goal of Yom Kippur. That you are the king that's alive and exists forever. But obviously, we can only connect to a serious side when we think about death. Chas v'shanah. So, already on second day Rosh Hashanah, in Shul, here, and last night in Yerushalayim as well, we mentioned those two different Avinu Malkenus, which seem very repetitive. Avinu Malkenu, Asaleman Harugim Hashem Kochecha, and the following one, Avinu Malkenu Aseleman Tevuchim Al Yichudecha. Those we saw already, they seem a little bit repetitive. And we're not going to go too much into that tonight. But what I'd like to do is to remind ourselves a question. I, I want to remind ourselves a question that with that question we go into Kol Nidre. 
The truth is, with that question, we should have gone into the beginning of, a, the beginning of Elul. But even if I didn't begin Elul with it, and I'm starting Rosh Hashanah with it, I started to say Esmei Tshuva, and even if I didn't stop yet to ask myself that question, I could still be, bring that question with me to Shul on Yom Kippur. What's that question? And this is the question which is cutting through everything. It's cutting through Rav Cook's whole world of tshuva. The question is, in the whole year that I, Hashem just gave me right now, has my concept of Hashem gotten any bigger in my life? Has this concept called Ribbono Shalalam, this mitziyut, this reality, is it any closer in my life? Does it appear closer in any relationship that I have in my life? This concept called God. Closeness. Is it closer at all? Or is it another year that I did my best to not do everything wrong. And now I fixed those things that I did wrong. I'm ready for another year. Reb Shlomo says, don't you think God's bored with the same slichas you have every year? Don't you think it sounds very boring in Shemaim that every year it's more or less the same things that you ask Mechila for? If you stop and think about it for a second, <coughs> are you asking anything different this year? Is there Mechi- I mean, this is hard to really tap into, but... Try as much as you can to go into your heart last year, Erev Yom Kippur. What were the emotions? What were you thinking? Those of you who are now Olim Chadashim, who have made Aliyah, I'm sure there's a Hevdel of Shamayim Ba'aretz between where you were last year, Erev Yom Kippur, and where you are this year, Erev Yom Kippur. And that's for sure. But maybe even you guys. When I think about what I've been asking forgiveness for, has there been any difference in what I'm asking Mechila for now than what I asked Mechila for last year? Same thing you said last year. You're talking on behalf of, uh, on behalf of Jack. Uh, I don't want to... I don't know. Something very weird is that this concept of needing to be forgiven prevents us from what Yom Kippur is really essentially all about. And we titled this shir under the title, What's Deeper Than Forgiveness? Is there anything deeper than forgiveness? I'm sure, you know, we're such procrastinators, I'm sure our Mechila phone calls will be happening tomorrow, somewhere between 4 and 5 p.m. Those of you who rely on Hasidic sources will wait till Hashanah Rabbah or Hanukkah to ask for Mechila. But you know how it is, it's the same cycle, it's the same thing that we go every single year, it's the same exact cycle. Man ishtana tet betishrei hashana mikol hatet betishreis shehayu lanu b'chaim shelanu. What is different this year? Spicier, juicier averas? I'm not talking about the averas. I'm talking about our headspace, our approach, and our expectation of Yom Kippur. Our expectation of Yom Kippur. We were saying to the Chaver last night in Yerushalayim. No pressure at all, right? 
But you know how Rav Ginsburg is so big with gematrias, right? You can have mamish books and books written based on Rav Ginsburg's wild gematrias. Well, whether you're into gematria or not, chew on this one, okay? Tafshin Ayin Vav is gematria Bias HaMashiach. Okay. Sweet, right? Sweet. Chilu Ra'ada when I think about that. A holy brother came up to me after Shir and said, you know, that's not the only gematria of Tavshin Ayin Vav. And he said to me, and correct me, it's okay, you're in this room, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think you said, Yisrael lo chata me'olam. Yisrael lo chata me'olam. Ayidullah never made an Avera ever. Is gematria Tavshin Ayin Vav. We have very heavy things to be dealing with in Tavshin Ayin Vav. Very special things to be dealing with Tavshin Ayin Vav. But before we go into that, just remember one thing. Every holiday, it's nice if we'd have the base Amigdash. It'd be great. But if I don't have it, I could still connect pretty strong. But there's one holiday that the lack of the base Amigdash is a problem. It's a big problem. We're going to be saying words, not tomorrow, but the next day, in the Musaf of the Kohen Gadol, the Aseder Avoda, Ashrei Ayin Ratazot. Praiseworthy is the eye who saw this. Who saw what? Who saw the Kohen Gadol go in and out of the Kodesh Kodeshim. You want to know what Yom Kippur is about? Everyone's so fixed on that it's about receiving Kapara. Can't be that that's the reason why Yom Kippur was the happiest day of the year. Something happened. We saw something, we experienced something as a people on Yom Kippur when we had the Beis Amikdash. And until we have the Beis Amikdash again, we don't really know what Yom Kippur is all about. We don't really understand what it's all about. Reb Nassim says this, Reb Nachman says this. Let's zone in now before we go into the text. What is Yom Kippur about? It's about one thing. It's about the holiest day of the year, the holiest man in the world, walking into the holiest place in the world, saying the holiest name in the world. Yom Kippur is the core of the core, of core shebakor. It's the, it is the nekuda which makes you and I Jewish people. It's the core of our faith. It's the core, it's the nekuda of all our Yiddishkeit. Different holidays, we try to take different things to zeicher this, this is memory of this, this reminds me of this. Then there's the core of things, the nekuda. Our neshama is what we're made out of. The fact that, despite the fact, you know, as much as we're searching and finding meaning in this world, everyone knows all the big neshamas, and we're all big neshamas right now, we're all essentially still feeling very displaced and homeless in this world, as much as we get more and more comfortable in our homes and with our families. We still feel extremely homeless. Why? Because we don't have the Kohen Gado, the holiest man in the world, 
going into the Kodesh HaKodashim, going into the holiest place in the world, on Yom Kippur, the holiest day in the world, pronouncing Shem Hashem Bim Forash, God's holy name. That is what would cause you and I to experience Yom Kippur. The fact that we don't have that right now demands of us to try and understand how do I connect to that today? What does it mean in a world without the Beis HaMikdash? How do I make Yom Kippur much more than just a day of I'm sorry, do you forgive me? Because it can't, that cannot be the ultimate. There's got to be something so much deeper about it. So much more bringing home our emotions. You know, we began before by saying, like, a question we have to walk into Kol Nidre, you look at, you think, that, is my concept of God gotten closer? I'm sure those of you who, Baruch Hashem, are married, and those of you who will be married with Hashem, you, I bless you all in the right time to know what we're talking about. You know, it doesn't matter if you're married four years, six years, 20 years, 40 years, you ever, like, look back at your wedding album and start laughing at each other the way you look, not because you look funny, but because you thought you knew each other? That ever happened? When you look back at the wedding book, you're like, why do we look, why, why do we, we're so in love. We had no idea who we were. Not in a bad way, just we had no time together. And we thought we knew what closeness was. Essentially, What's supposed to happen in our lives is that every Yom Kippur, every Rosh Hashanah, but every Yom Kippur, is that we kind of take a look back at our wedding album, which took place last year with the Ribbon Shleiman, and said, oh man, it's so funny, I thought we were close back then, but why, why do I laugh? Because where we're at now, what we've been through this past year, is infinitely stronger and brought us so much closer than whatever I thought, however close I thought we were last year. When that's lacking in my understanding of the Chagim, of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, then I have to say one second. Why don't I feel like anything's different? Why don't I feel, why can't I laugh at last year's closeness? What's going on over here? I should be able to laugh. And you see, when I go into that place, and then I come to shul for Kol Nidre, different ballgame. I finally begin to understand what I'm asking Mechila for. Rib Shlomo said, do you think God is like a teller at a bank that you have to say, I did this wrong, I did that? You think that's the point of it? Hashem doesn't know what you did right or wrong? That's not the point of it. <clears throat> Vidui, confession, which like Rabbi Moshe gave a shir, the end of Rosh Hashanah, is an essential part, and the fideos is also the definition of the mitzvah of tshuva. What's the point of confessing if it's not to bring you closer? You think God needs you to be that kvetcher that sounds the same every year? And of course, tomorrow, when we get to the Baal Chetz by Mincha, when are we going to stop and feel really, really bad? 
ועל חטא שחתנו לפניך בלשון הרע, and then sinas chinam. The rest, I, 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 no one really knows what they're talking about, right? Unless you have a really good machzor, but even then it's very hard to figure out what exactly they're talking about, right? So having said all that, when we ask ourselves, Rebona Shleilam, are we closer to you? He's going to be asking something very, very simple that we get an answer to by Neila. That question is, stop asking me, are we closer? Stop asking me for forgiveness. Have you stopped yet and asked yourself for forgiveness? Have you asked yourself, Mechila, for depriving yourself from tasting all the dreams that seemed so realistic last year in Neila? When you screamed, Hashem, who I Elohim, last year, Tfilis Neila, and I would come up to you and say to you, this year, you're going to love every Jew and non-Jew you meet. Last year in Neila, you would have told me, are you kidding me? Of course I will. That's nothing. That's a piece of cake. Last year in Neila, I'd come up to you and say to you, it's going to be impossible for you to assume that someone hates you. Are you kidding me? It'd be impo- the only thing that's possible is to continue realizing what's real, I would say to you last year in Neila. That I love everyone and everyone loves me. What's the, what are you bringing to us, right? Have you asked yourself, Mechila, yet? From defining those moments last year of Neila as the I drank too much Kool-Aid mo- mo- you know, moments, as opposed to the rest of the year, come on, be real. Be real. You know, sometimes when I travel back to the Chutzlaretz and I meet with Chavra that I saw them while they were here in Eretz Yisrael, and then they went back to college, they went to school, they, whatever they ended up, they ended up. So we always reminisce about the high moments we had during the year, their year or two in Eretz Yisrael. And then they always say, yeah, you know, I wish, like, I, I, I wish I didn't have to go back into the real world. You know the most horrible song ever written? And by the way, those guys are my best friends, but you know what I'm talking about. There was a song written about 10 years ago called Flipping Out. It's about Shana Aleph syndrome, right? Those moments were the most real moments ever. Those moments that I felt so close to Hashem, that's real. All the rest is not real. Or it's not as real. But those moments when you think you can do anything in the world, why? Ki ata imadi. That's real. That's emes. That's truth. But then people come and try to cool you off all the time. But the truth is you, we, I, we cool ourselves off faster than anyone else cools us off. So God comes and says to us, by the end of davening, you've been waiting all Yom Kippur long to hear the words, Salachti. Now I'm waiting for you to say the same word, Salachti. But first, you have to ask yourself for Mechila in order to say that word. You want to be godly. Do what God does. God's, God forgives. But in order to forgive yourself, you have to know what you're asking Mechila about. 
You have to know what you're asking yourself mechila for. So, this is, I mean, I always say this when, there's no way there's enough papers here for everyone, which is a good thing. It should always be like that, Bezrat Hashem. Um, it's not a lot of text at all, and it's a very easy text. There's a small piece here in Rib Shlomo, which will help us understand what we're supposed to be asking ourselves mechila for. If you can, I, I assume to, if I could ask everyone to share in the beginning. And for those of you who are learning this text for the first time, um, half of this text was never learned before. What, what do I mean by that? These words that we're learning right now were said by Reb Shlomo Kralbach five weeks before he died, September 1994. And they were just transcribed yesterday and this afternoon. So therefore, it's, it's an amazing thing that we're learning these words for the first time. Half of it, half of it is from somewhere else, you'll see. But please don't go ahead, even though, in the text, even though it's in English. If you've, if you've been through this before, you'll understand why. He seems like he's the easiest to understand, because it's so sweet and simple. But we have to go shlav by shlav. Did it reach the back? However many... I'm sorry, Chavra. It's okay. I will, we'll, we'll say this out loud. As long as your hearts are, are really with us, we could do anything right now. Okay. Reb Shlomo says like this, Why is the highest, most glorious moment of Yom Kippur during Musaf celebrating that the high priest went in and out of the Kodesh Kodashim. What was happening in there? Right? Have you ever been to, like, uh, have, ever, have you ever been to Otniel? Any of you been to Otniel for Yom Kippur? To yeshiva? You ever been to a good yeshiva, Israeli yeshiva davening? Yom Kippur, right? And what's that moment where they go absolutely nuts? And uh, we try in our shuls to do it too. But I, I didn't have this growing up. It's more since I've been in Eretz Israel. What is, what is that nigun which a lot of chassans now choose to walk out to the dance floor with it? They should all, we should all uh, feel like it's the Kohen Gadol coming out of the Kodesh Kodeshim when a chassan and kala get married, which it is. What is what, what's going on over there? We're, so, we're freaking out at a simcha. That what? That the Kohen Gadol came out of the Kodesh Kodeshim. He, with the Mishnah, says he'd make a yontiv. You know, the Mishnayas in Yuma are so precious. They're so special. Uh, in many machzorim, all of them, homosecha Yuma is in the back of the machzor. So you have time with all the tefillahs to look at it during, the, during Yom Kippur, describing the Kohen Gadol coming out. You have to understand what it looked like, the people that were waiting for the Kohen Gadol. People stood, Chazal tell us, I believe for 12 hours straight. Thousands of people stood there not moving, waiting for the Kohen Gadol to come out of the Kodesh Kodashim. And the moment that he did, Ashrei Ayin Ratazot. What a privilege it was to the eyes that experienced such a scene of the Kohen Gadol coming out of the Kodesh Kodashim. Let me ask you, Fevra, what, I mean, I'll peep, shat, what, what is the big deal? Why is that the moment of Yom Kippur. And I hate to break it to anyone, but that's, 
as deep and as holy as Kol Nidre is, that doesn't come close to Emes Maneda Haya Kohen Gadol B'Tzeson V'Yitzkotshe Kodashim. B'Shalom, B'Li Pega, doesn't come close. When the Kohen Gadol comes out, and it's so interesting, how it's such a test for us, because when do we say these words about the Kohen Gadol coming out of the Kodesh Kodashim? About approximately what time during Yom Kippur? Hmm? Well, it depends. Where, uh, two, it's 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 about two thirty, maybe about two thirty, p.m. Yom Kippur afternoon. You're starting to get really tired. You start that headache is coming on. You're cursing the caffeine you drank the day before, and at that moment, that's when the Kohen Gadol is coming out of the Kodesh Kodesh. and the Simcha is not to be believed. Shlomo says, "Why? Why Dafka is there such Simcha?" at that moment. What was it? What was going on in there? So I had, it's an amazing thing, I wasn't sure about this whole mahalach. I spoke to Rav Raz Hartman right before Shir, and he really put, he helped me put, put this, a lot of things together over here. Look what Reb Shlomo says. In the Holy of Holies, you don't say a word. Because in the Holy of Holies, it says, V'chol adam lo yeh be'ol mo'ed. When does it say this, by the way, this Pasuk? Bechol Adam lo yebe'ol mo'ed. Does anyone know where the, when the Torah says this? In reference, in Sefer Vayikra, in reference to what? What is this talking about? Bechol Adam lo yebe'ol mo'ed. What, what is this referring to? What, what is the ol mo'ed referring to over here? That's what I mean. The Kodesh Kodashim, right? Bechol Adam lo yebe'ol mo'ed. Wait a second. <coughs> No man should be in the Kodesh Kodashim, but wait a second, we have a man in there. So there's a famous Chazal that explains to us that really what? The Kohen Gadol on a certain level would leave the status of Adam. Of man. He reached the highest level of Adam, which is even greater than the way that we understand it. But what's so weird is that we know that the Kohen Gadol had to be someone who was married in order to go into the Kodesh Kodashim. The, remember the Mishnayas, the Gemara's and Yuma that's speaking about Mafrishim, how they have to make sure he's married, Chas his wife dies, he has, to have him, he has to have another, he has to be a, he has to be a person who has a bait in this world, but that believes in the ultimate service of Hashem, reaching the highest level in the world. V'chol adam lo moed. The high priest would reach a level where a human being could not reach. Now here he says something amazing, Rabbi Shlomo says, Even Moshe Rabbeinu on Mount Sinai did not reach the level where Aaron Akorn reached when he walked into the Kodesh Kodashim. Those few minutes when he was in there gave us our whole year. The question is, what was it about those few moments, minutes in there, that gave us so much strength to keep on going? What are you going to tell me? That he fulfilled an avoda? That he was able to do a whole service? And that's such a beautiful thing, and that's what gave us, we held our breath because he was able to finish a service. There's got to be something more over here. So look what he says here. And this is, this, is, this is just so personal. This is so here, down to earth, in this world. The Shlomo says, after hurting someone's feelings and asking for forgiveness, what happens when my wish is granted? Yes, I forgive you. Now what? 
Does that mean we're close enough to trust each other again? Let me ask you, Chavra. You don't have to, again, I'm not asking for anyone to, don't, don't raise your hands for these kind of questions. You don't have to raise, please don't, but, because that's happened before, people raise their hands when I'm, I'm just asking a very, you know, and, and then like, there's like sometimes one person, crowd of 40, boys, and he, he, he turns tomato red before he finished the question. Don't, don't answer this. Answer to yourself. Did you ever really, really, really want someone's mechila? Really want it? And then you realize that once they forgave you, all it is is that they forgave you. So they're not holding a grudge against you. But now what? What's the shlav after being forgiven? Did you ever want someone to really, really, really ask you for mechila? I'll raise my hand to that one, right? I don't care. No? I'm the only one in the room, huh? I want to see how much we feel open by the last question. This last question. Many of us, we really, really want people to ask us for mechila. But you know what happens? We, don't, we forget something. So then they ask us for mechila. What part of us feels really good? Push it, the ego. What part of us is still untouched? The neshama. Because mechila has very little to do with what I'm really feeling inside. Real mechila is something else. So Rabbi Shalom says that after I hurt someone's feelings, and I need them so badly to say I'm sorry, to, to say I forgive you, once they say I forgive you, what happens after that? So look back inside. And this is a piece that some of us here have been learning together for a few years. We've seen this in Parshat Shlach. This piece of Torah was also printed in the soul of Yerushalayim because it has to do with Tishbev as well. Look over here. When the spies came back reporting something bad about Israel, and we believed them. And as much as we did tshuva and were, so to speak, forgiven, we had to wait 40 years eventually to get into Eretz Yisrael. The question is, why didn't God grant us our wish and take us right away into the Holy Land? We brought down, there was again Yud Yomidot Rachamim. We were forgiven. But then we were really confused. Wait a second, God, you said I forgive you. We begged you for Mechila. We can't believe we spoke Lashon Hara, we believe Lashon Hara. We can't believe it. But wait, we don't understand something. If you said, uh, uh, yes, I forgive you, Yala. Let's just, let's just go. Let's just go to Eretz Yisrael. Look at this. This is an amazing thing. There is a way out. There's a teaching from the Rebbe of Alexander. By the way, Alexander was a Hasidut. It still is a Hasidut. It's not nearly as large as it was before 1939. I believe that there were 200,000, approximately 200,000 Alexander Hasidim before the war. I'm scared to, to say how many are, are around today. This is a teaching from the Rebbe of Alexander which cuts right through everything in our lives. He says that there are certain averas for which you do tshuva. God forgives you and it's forgotten. It really is forgotten. When it comes to going into Eretz Yisrael and speaking Lashon Har about Eretz Yisrael, it's not a question of doing tshuva or not. When you go into Eretz Yisrael, the question is, are you merchandise for the Holy Land? Are you the right person to do the job? 
If a little spy can come and turn you away from Israel, you can cry and do tshuva. I can scream out, I'm sorry. And God says, I'm also sorry, I forgive you. But that's not the point. Okay, to illustrate what he just said now even deeper, listen to the next paragraph. Imagine a girl, imagine I meet my soulmate, and we decide to get married. And we begin to plan our wedding, but a few weeks before the wedding, she says to me, I'm sorry, I have to leave you for a little bit. She comes back a few days later and says, okay, I'm ready now. Bless you. I clearly can't marry that person. It's not even that you're too angry at them to move on. It's not about that. What happened? The distance that was just created makes things unbearable. Okay, this is really important. We think, we think, we're convinced that if we hurt someone's feelings and then we just say, I'm sorry, we're in such a need for them to forgive us to fix things. But what are we forgetting? What does hurt do between people? It creates merchat. It creates a distance. Now, we're jumping ahead already, but obviously when we hurt other people, obviously we're hurting ourselves to the utmost. We're causing ourselves such distance from who we really are to where we think we are. So Rabbi Shlomo continues on the bottom of this page and says, between people, this happens all the time. I can forgive someone simply because I don't really care about them and they're meaningless to me. That's like when it's easiest to forgive someone. Machpatli, I'll forgive you. What do I care? It is, now look what he says here. This statement is so hard to digest, okay? But this is going to force us to be so super real, this Yom Kippur. It is possible to pray all day on Yom Kippur, and God can even say, I forgive you. But don't kid yourself. You just cared about the Mechila. Where are we truly going from here? Crazily enough, I can hear God's voice saying, I forgive you, and yet I'm still feeling a great hole in my heart. But, and now we're getting back to the simcha, which we all felt when the Kohen Gadol came out. But when Aaron a Kohen walks into the Holy of Holies, something else happens. In fact, the high priest didn't even ask for forgiveness. He just walked in there, didn't say a word, and came out. So I checked this last sentence because it wasn't clear to me. Didn't say a word because we have a tradition that he says, But that was said right at the entrance and right at the exit. But inside the Kodesh Kodesh, that place where no man is allowed to be inside, where the Kohen Gadol would only go once a year, at that moment, the Kohen Gadol wasn't asking for Mechila. Where was the Kohen Gadol asking for forgiveness? Between the Ulam and the Mizbeach. Ana Hashem, Chatati, Aviti, Pasha, Chatanu, Avinu, Pashanu. All the times where he says, V'chiper ba'ado, v'ad beitao, v'ad kol That was outside the Kodesh Kodashim. Inside the Holy of Holies, the Kohen Gadol is not busy asking for Mechila. And everyone's asking, like the next sentence over here, so everyone is asking, why did Aaron Akoin not ask for forgiveness when he walked into the Kodesh Kodeshim? What an opportunity he had. <laughs> finally, he's finally in the heart of the heart. 
He's finally in the heart of the heart. So you know, obviously, what he's going to say based on everything we just learned right now. All the Rebbe's say, do you know what happened to Aaron Akoyan in the Holy of Holies? He had a taste. He got a glimpse of the way God is looking at us. And when you get a taste of that, there's no need to ask for mechida. There's no need to ask for forgiveness. This is something so deep. If you, I want you to think of people that are in your lives right now. All the people you think you know. All the people you live with that you think you actually know them. If you got a taste of what they really think about you and how precious you really are to them, if you were privileged with that kind of a taste, you wouldn't care so much the need to get their mechila. You would ask for mechila because it's the right thing to do. But you wouldn't be satisfied with that. If you could taste what someone else really thinks about you, that place in, the, in their heart that they truly think about you, it's crazy what we have to go through in this world until we find out what someone really thinks about us. And obviously I'm giving a huge kav schut that that's always wonderful and beautiful. Right? <coughs> because it really is. Yisrael ochatan olam. It really, really is. What we, where we really hold each other in the heart of arts is makom shekulotov. Shekulotov. A place where it's all good. You know, there are a lot of reasons to be... This is a, a word from the Bredichever. There are a lot of reasons to always say, I, I, I'm not worthy of asking, of, of, of getting mechila, of receiving mechila. Like we say, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, Be'ein meili tziosher. There's no meili tziosher, mul magit pesha. When someone comes and tells me my crimes and tells me, all the stuff, the way I acted, the way I treated you, the words I spoke about you, all those binyanim, all those buildings of sheker, of lies that I built, all based on an illusion of what I, what I think you think of me. But ain't melitziosher. There's no melitziosher. How do you say melitziosher in English? Advocate. There's no... Um, what's that? No one... We all know what it means in Hebrew. We'll leave it to that. You know what it means. So, Rebbe Yitzchak Berdichever says, you know, there's one thing I'm going to change. I'm going to change one vowel. I'm going to change the way you pronounce one word, and that'll be your whole Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Do you know what the only really is between people? between you and the Ribbon Shleilam, between you and yourself, do you know the only way to taste what real forgiveness is? Not be'ain me'elitziosher, be'ain me'elitziosher. Me'ain, you're from ain, from nothingness. I stop, on Yom Kippur, I stop pretending that I know what you really think about me. On Yom Kippur, I stop for one second, and I chuck with that Sa'ir Lazazel what I think God thinks of me. Do you know how that you know how healthy that is? To chuck, to throw away what you think that which you're convinced that the Ribbonish Elam thinks of you? You know, Rib Shlomo in the House Love and Prayer, in the beginning, in 1966, 
He said the Friday nights in there, in the house, love and prayer in San Francisco, they would sit down to do Kiddush at four in the morning. The davening was out of this world. People were jumping through the windows. People were jumping. I, I went to visit there about like 15 years ago. It was already closed for like, you know, 20 years by then. But I went to visit there. People go to Memphis, right? I go to San Francisco, I go to Haight Ashbury, right? So I, I found the House of Love and Prayer, and I found some people that used to live there. They were describing this, what it was about, the Chulay. I imagine, I remember that Shlomo said that one time he came, he arrived right before Shabbos after performing in probably three continents that same week, got to San Francisco, he was just exhausted. So usually what he used to do was, when they were daven, all, can you imagine, hundreds and hundreds of hippies, okay, in a room, it's about, it was about this size, about 250 people, packed through the windows. And what he would do is, because no one knew what any of the words meant, so he would translate, he would sing out the whole davening in Hebrew and in English. One time, he was too tired, it was the beginning. He had one student that was beginning to learn Hebrew, pure, pure, refined soul, clean. It's the beginning, it was fresh, everything was new. He told that hippie, the brother, he said, Brother, Arye, I want you to explain tonight. I want you to give over tonight, Marif. So, how do we begin? How do we, what do we say in Marif? Shlomo says, I'll never forget how much nachas he had. We say, Avas Olam Avtanu, right? <coughs> uh, sorry, Avas Olam Beis Yisrael. So this hippie said, Avas Olam Beis Yisrael, can you imagine all the love that exists in the whole world? Ahavas Olam, all the love that exists in the world exists amongst us when we are Beis Yisrael. And then what happens then? Amcha Then we feel how much you love us. He said, Those, how many of us have said Marev 15,000 times? We never thought of that once. We have, let's just admit it now, don't wait for Ne'ilah. We have no idea how much Hashem, where, where, where we are in the Kodesh Kodesh, we have no idea. What are you waiting for Ne'ilah to take all those illusions that lead us to nowhere and throw them away? Chuck it off that mountain with this Sayyidah Zazah. And then when I know that those are all illusions, I'm not in such a desperate need only for mechila. Of course I want God's mechila, but I want so much more than that. I want the distance to disappear. I want to keep the closeness. I want those moments that I feel like I will do anything for Hashem to be real. I don't want those moments to go away by Yud Be'ez Yud Gimel Tishrei. Those are the moments that I want to stay with me, escorting me forever. So why, friends, now we're going back to the beginning, why was that moment when the Kohen Gadol would come out from the Kodesh Kodashim, the moment of such simcha? Because everyone knew, everyone knew there. The Kohen Gadol wasn't busy trying to bring more mechila down. Hopefully all the mechila of the day was enough on the level of forgiveness. What the Kohen Gadol was able to do 
was to take that distance which our Averis created that year and bring it so much closer. <coughs> that brings so much more simcha than if someone forgives me. Think of one person in your life that you really hurt their feelings or they really hurt your feelings. What hurts you is not so much that they didn't ask you for mechila yet. What hurts you is that you can't imagine that things could ever go back to the way they once were, before the hurt, when things were still tamim. The simcha of Yom Kippur is that it really can go back. Rav Daniel Katz is one of my favorite people these days. You'll hear about him more and more in the next few years. Keep that name in mind, Rav Daniel Katz. He says that the tshuva, our way of understanding tshuva, is missing one key ingredient. What's the ingredient that we're missing in our tshuva? It's the last simon of the simanim of Seder night. What's the last siman of Seder night? Sing it very fast so you'll get there. Nirza. What does nirza mean? What? Near, was wanted, meaning nirza. It was successful. Hitkabel chasal sidur pesach hilchato. This was accepted. We did it. Rav Daniel Katz says, "You know what? You know where Satan comes all year long." He says he does not let a yid believe in his own tshuva. He doesn't let you believe that you actually brought the distance, brought it closer. So thank God we have an amazing Torah that says that the gematria of Satan is 364. There's one day a year Satan has no touching. That's what it means. Yamim yutsaru velo echad mehem. God has this one day Hashem designated just for Himself. That's the day when Satan doesn't come and tell me, who are you kidding? You think that that holy vision of you that you feel in Yom Kippur is going to last? On Yom Kippur, Satan doesn't come anywhere. Satan's Gimachia 364. There's one day where I can taste so much closeness and no one makes me doubt it. Nothing can make me doubt it. As long as I take the last ingredient, the last simon of Pesach night, near Tzah, that it was accepted. And then, you know, I always say, like, it always says, Shloshim Yom Kodim HaChag Shalim V'dorshim. You're supposed to have 30 days before every Chag. That you're supposed to be learning and preparing for the Chag, which is coming up. It's very big by Purim and Pesach, even Rosh Hashanah. We don't have time on Yom Kippur. Sukkot, you have no time. But the truth is, the greatest hachana you could do for walking into the Sukkah and feeling the Ormaki, feeling a hug, that the sukkah is hugging you, is believing that that which you feel on Yom Kippur is real. You want to cry for the Beis HaMikdash? You want one reason to cry for the Beis HaMikdash? Everyone says it's so hard. Tisha B'Av, every article these days is, how can you cry for something that is so far from us? <coughs> what if someone told you that once upon a time it was possible to really believe in yourself one day a year that no one had anything on you. 
That was the Simcha of the Kohen Gadol coming out of the Kodesh Kodashim, B'Shalom B'li Pega. Ashrei Ayin Ratazot. That was the greatest Simcha. That's what brought so much oneness. It gave us our whole year. So, Lemaise, just like to, 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 to end this whole thing and to understand where do we go from here, this Yom Kippur is another wonderful mikvah. It's 25 hours of a mikvah. And everyone knows that in a mikvah, for a kosher mikvah to be, to be, to be, to be taur, you have to have a bor hashaka right next to the mikvah. And if you're in a mikvah and you see that hole in the wall, that's usually why, hopefully always, <laughs> that there's a bore, there's another bore, there's another um, hole outside of it that's noshek. Bor hashaka comes from the word that it's kissing the mikvah inside. The waters are kissing each other. Yom Kippur is this amazing opportunity to just say, I have no idea what you think of me. And it feels so good to throw away that illusion. I'm starting with whatever I'm feeling right now. That's where I'm starting from. But that's not so hard, friends. You know when it's hard? When you look at your wife in the eyes. Or when your wife looks in the husband in the eyes. And says, I really don't know what you really think of me. But right now I have a sense that we're one. I'm going to take it. I'm going to go with that. And that's not the hardest. The hardest thing is to look in some kind of spiritual mirror over Yom Kippur and say to yourself, Shlomo, Amy, Jack, Esti, Shimon, Meir, whatever it is, and say, whatever I think I know of myself, I'm also throwing that away. Because today, Satan has nothing over me. This day, no one has anything over me. I'm going to start from here. This is really my Rosh Hashanah. Because this is the real me. That little boy and little girl, and yes, I say little boy and little girl, because the little boys and little girls that are living in us are still very much chai v'kayam. Very much. Those little boys and little girls that still don't know how they're going to make anything in this world, how I'm going to teach my children about God, how I'm going to teach myself about anything. When I say Hashem Hu Elokim, I believe in anything. And that's one of the reasons, by the way, is that we say right away in Mariv, Slach Lanu Avinu Kichatanu. Everyone asks, why do you start Mariv right away saying, please forgive me Hashem for my sins? So remember, we always say in Chutzlar, there's a Pshat. I say, because I just danced L'Shana Haba B'Yerushalayim at the end of Ne'ila, and let's not kid each other, I'm not running to Yerushalayim that fast, right? So I'm already saying right now, that's one, right? But the other reason I say, is because I right away say, Hashem, I'm asking Mechila for not truly believing that that which I just went through is real. You know, in Eretz Yisrael, Yom Kippur has not just a lot of memories of what it once was in Yerushalayim, it has a lot of recent memories 40 years ago, 42 years ago, of Milchemet Yom Kippurim, 
of the war. In Torah Bet and Nikutei Moharan, Rabbi Nachman says, Mashiach has a weapon too. It says, Mashiach's weapon, a Jew goes out to the battlefield with his weapon in his hand. Our weapon is when I'm a walking prayer. That's a sword. That's a magen. No one can touch me. No one can touch me. But please, please, Hashem should have infinite Rahmanis on us, this ninth of Tishrei, going into the tenth of Tishrei, that when I know how to daven and pour out my heart to you, nirza, it's accepted, it's wanted, it's real, it really is real. So this should be the sweetest, most meaningful year filled with, filled with mamish realness, filled with not feeling that there's distance anymore. All the distances, all the merchakim that have been created are vanished the moment the Kohen Gadol would come out from the Kodesh Kodashim. So at that moment, when we're singing that on Yom Rosh Yom Kippur, may you just let yourself go there. Don't worry what you look like. Don't worry what you're going to sound like. That's happened many times. I see people that are just, you know, they're so nervous, but they're, they're so tone deaf, and I pray... I pray you rid yourself of that. When a, when a Yid's crying, Yom Kippur, there's no such thing as tone deaf. Tone deaf is silence. That's, yeah, you're tone deaf when you're silent because you're scared what it's going to sound like. But that moment when the Kohen would come out and say, Shem Hashem Bim Farash, every heart was cleansed. Every, every hole was filled. It was even higher than Matan Torah. <coughs> Like Rabbi Shlomo said before, between Moshe and Aaron.
ונופלים על פני We'll continue the stream after Sukkot. It should be the sweetest, sweetest Yom Kippur, the most real Yom Kippur, the most meaningful Sukkot. We'll be posting for all the concerts and things happening over Sukkot. Make sure you're on the mailer. And we should be privileged to be learning, <laughs> learning a lot, a lot, a lot this coming year. Bezrat Hashem. All right. Shana Tova Mtuka, everyone. Question. One second, Jen.